0: Okay, there's reports out today that the federal government is actually set to clear the way for cities like Vancouver, Edmonton, or us right here in Toronto to become a NHL hub city when and if professional hockey resumes play. And joining us next to look at the possible health implications is Dr. Nadia Alam. She, of course, the former head of the Ontario Medical Association, and she joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Alam, good afternoon.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show, Jeff.
0: Well, thanks for uh, returning. Appreciate it. Uh, One of the conditions we're hearing of uh, NHL, Canadian NHL Hub City, is that the government would be dropping the 14-day quarantine requirement for hockey players. And I'm just wondering medically, is that advisable, do you think, at this time?
1: I know that public health has had and has worked very closely with the NHL to create guidelines that make sense. And part of the rationale between ha- behind having hub cities is to um, isolate the players from the general public um, just to help maintain social distancing, physical distancing, and the safety of the public. Because at the end of the day, um, you, the hockey players need the public to be able to enjoy and watch the sport. Hockey is a huge part of Canadian identity. What I see this as is a move towards trying to find a new normal. And I'm really glad that the NHL is working closely with not just the Public Health Association of Canada, but with the Public Health Association local authorities in B.C. and Edmonton and Toronto to try and find a way of doing this safely. COVID-19 has become... A new fact of our life. The, the old way of doing things is just not possible. There is no going back. So finding a new way and in, in finding a safe way, finding a different way to reclaim parts of our identity, I think are really important.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think there's hockey fans that are eagerly awaiting the return of the NHL. Having said that, you're right, public safety is paramount. So if the players, you have to believe they would be, whatever the hub city is, they'll be tested when they arrive. And you would also have to think, Dr. Lam, that every day at the rink they'll be tested. And if they're also pretty much quarantined, uh, let's say, at a hotel, are those pretty good safety precautions?
1: Those are pretty good safety precautions, I would say. They'd they'd have to be watched over carefully. They'd have to adhere to all of the safety rules that the public has to adhere to right wearing masks when you're out and about trying to maintain six feet of distance between you and uh, anyone else who's not part of your bubble right creating that sense of a bubble is very important right now Um, and as we move forward through the pandemic and as we prepare for that second wave making sure that we don't stop doing the kinds of things, the things that have proven to work to limit the spread of the virus.
0: Give me your medical opinion on whether or not the league should be shut down if just even a single player tests positive for COVID. I mean, is there a concern there uh, medically? Let's say, you know, 12 teams arrive here in Toronto to play out of the Scotiabank arena, and even just one of those players on those 12 teams. I mean, we we were just talking about contact tracing a second ago. Is should that should the entire league be shut down? Do you think if there's even just one positive,
1: it's a consideration. I think it would depend on how symptomatic that person is, um, whether other people are testing positive, whether they've been in close contact, right, and how close a contact. If it's someone who's tested positive who hasn't been feeling well and has been avoiding everybody else and isolating in their own room and then they test positive. That's a different story from someone who's out and about mingling with the other team members, and then they test positive. So it all depends on the context. It really does. The the context makes a huge difference. But I know that they will be watched very carefully. Everyone will as we start moving towards reopening and and regaining our new normal.
0: Let me also ask you before we leave hockey and talk about a couple other COVID-related items The NHL said that players will not have to wear full face masks or face shields while playing, that the half visor is enough. But considering all of the heavy breathing, the sweating, and the moisture, again, medically, would it make sense? Would players be safer with full shields?
1: That's a tricky one because I kind of agree with you. Like I appreciate the fact that as you're – Running around as you're not running around, as you're skating around and moving around vigorously, breathing is already strenuous to begin with, right? You're, you're, it's hard breathing. But, and when you throw a mask on top of that, you can actually make it more difficult. You can make it so that um, players risk having complications of, uh, of having a difficult time breathing through the masks. I do wonder if there should be some consideration for elongating the shield. I know in the hospital, we wear face masks as well as full face face shields um, that go right down to our chin, sometimes down to our neck, depending on how the face shield is made. And that provides excellent protection for low exertion activities. For high exertion activities, I do wonder if there should be consideration for having a full face shield so that even if they are breathing hard, even if if they're yelling, or if they call out and spit flies out, at least it only hits the face shield rather than hitting other players.
0: Joined on the line by Dr. Nadia Alam. Since we're discussing face masks and uh, shields, uh, speaking of mm-hmm. those, there's a new article up at globalnews.ca asking whether or not face shields, do they work better than face masks? Is there any proof uh, either way? Would we be better off just as a uh, general populace walking around instead of just with masks with full face shields?
1: On the build of the face shield. Some face shields are, um, they only come down to cover you just at chin level. So if you tilt your head back, all of a sudden your mouth is exposed. And that's why in the hospital, in clinical settings, in the doctor's offices, you'll see physicians and nurses and nurse practitioners. Um, who are interacting very closely with potentially sick people, wearing not only a face shield that goes down past their chin, but also a face mask. Um, We also know that uh, the virus can can enter through mucous membranes, and not just the mouth, but it can also enter through the eyes. So a face shield serves double duty. It protects your mouth, it protects your nose, it protects your eyes. A mask plus a face shield is the best combination of personal protective equipment um, when you're coming in contact with potentially sick people. And close contact, right? If you have a distance of six feet, you're by and large safe if you're doing close contact. If you're wearing just a face shield, and I read the Globe and Mail article, they do make some cogent arguments about why a face shield might be more helpful, but the risk is... If you're moving your head around, as you turn your head, if you're wearing a mask, the mask turns with you, right? Whether you look up, down, side to side, the mask moves with you. It continues to protect your face. Face shield doesn't do that as well.
0: All right. Uh, Sorry, go ahead, doctor.
1: It's a bit bit tricky.
0: All right. Finally, I want to ask you a bit of a milestone today. It's 100 days since the World Health Organization declared the pandemic. How do you think we as a country, Canada, and I guess the world at large, how do you think we've fared so far?
1: I think we've pulled together in extraordinary ways to try and fight this virus. It's funny, I I had a dream last night. I dreamt of the old days. When I was a kid and my dad and my sister and my mom, we went down to Marineland and we're walking around. It's super crowded. You're sitting on those benches, shoulder to shoulder, and you're amazed at the animals. And, and I dreamt about Disneyland. I dreamt about going to concerts. And, and I woke up feeling really sad, right, mourning the loss of how easy life was back then. And then I saw a, a group text from um, colleagues uh, who were part of my health economics policy and management class at the LSE. And one of them has been working with a pharmaceutical company to develop a vaccine. And they started their human trials today. And then I had tears in my eyes. It was just, it was such an amazing moment to think it's been four months. It's been a hundred days. And and we've come so far as not just a province, but a country to try and fight something that's, that's just brought health systems and the global economy to its knees. And we've pulled together in such an extraordinary way. And now, thanks to human science and ingenuity, we may be able to find a way towards not the old days, but a different normal where we wouldn't have to necessarily live in fear, where we might be able to hug each other again and be able to visit um, our, our loved ones in the hospitals and in the nursing homes. Um, it's, it's been a difficult... I think the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been extraordinary, not just in how it's pulled all of us together as human beings, to try and work towards a common goal even though it might not benefit us individually even though a lot of us a lot of my patients have lost jobs have have paid a very very high price to try and protect one another at the same time it kind of gives me hope to to be able to rise to meet challenges that are just as big that are that are brewing challenges not just about future pandemics but like climate change or poverty, right? If we can pull together to do this, we can pull together to do that too and to be able to make sure that as a species, as a community, we continue to not just survive, but maybe find a way to thrive as well.
0: Well said, and that certainly is uh, the hope and maybe the silver lining out of all of this. Dr. Alam, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy your weekend.
1: Jeff, as always, I love talking to you. Thank you so much. You too.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you. Dr. Nadia Alam, former head of the Ontario Medical Association.